The Rock Opera, a bold attempt by rock and roll musicians to tell a story that lasts longer than three minutes. One musician was particularly obsessed with this style of writing music, Pete Townsend, leading member of the world-renowned British rock band The Who. In 1966, Townsend was looking for ways to break out of the standard three-minute pop song format, and the Who co-manager Kit Lambert encouraged the songwriter, leading him to settle on the idea of writing rock operas. Townsend's first fully recorded rock opera is A Quick One While He's Away, a song in six movements telling the story of a girl who cheats on her lover who's been away. The lover returns and eventually forgives her. It may not seem like much, but Townsend refers to this mini-opera as the parent of one of the most famous rock operas, 1969's Tommy. Tommy introduces Townsend's other obsession into his music, spiritual guru Meher Baba. Baba was an Indian spiritual guru claiming to be God in human form. Baba's influence was widespread, and one of his more well-known contributions to pop culture is the phrase, Don't worry, be happy, turned into a popular song by Bobby McFerrin in 1988. But in 1968, Townsend was trying to translate Meher's teachings into music, specifically music about a boy who suffers so much trauma that he becomes incredible at pinball. Quote, but what it's really all about is the fact that he's seeing things basically as vibrations, which we translate as music. That's really what we want to do. Create this feeling that when you listen to the music, you can actually become aware of the boy and aware of what he is all about because we are creating him as we play, said Townsend in a 1968 interview with Rolling Stone. Did Townsend achieve his goal with Tommy? It's unclear. But after the album, he set right back to work on another rock opera entitled Lifehouse. This opera was never completed, but large pieces of it appear in the Who's fifth studio album from 1971, Who's Next. The album, full of hits, contains one song in particular that stands above the rest. Featured on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 500 Songs That Shape Rock and Roll list and hitting the number 159 spot on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time list, this song bears a similar origin to Tommy, as Townsend attempted to input the vital signs and personality of Baba into a synth and generate a song based on that. That sounds impossible to you. That's because it is. The goal shifted, and Townsend spent weeks working on a Lowry organ to create, quote, a replication of the electronic music of the future. Aside from the synth, the standout feature of this song is a middle-eight section wherein Townsend declares, It's only Teenage Wasteland, a line so iconic that most people would assume it's the title of the song. They're wrong. Naturally, this hit is named after Mahir Baba and American minimalist composer Terry Riley. That's right, we're talking Baba O'Reilly by The Who this week on Cover Me. Out here in the fields I fight for my meals I get my back into my living That's right, it's Cover Me, the only podcast that compares famous songs to their many cover versions to find out which one is Sally. I'm your host as always, The Snake, joined by my teenage co-host... Yeah, Alex Mildenberger, radical, dude. Uh, far out, dude. Yeah. You're, a teen- <laughs> you're a teenager, but from 1995. From, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, what? What? A t- how teenagers were depicted in in media when I was growing up. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a Ninja Turtle. <laughs> yeah, I'm a Ninja Turtle. <laughs> Radical, 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 radical. But also now I'm a baby. Oh, okay, we're getting off track. Well, yeah, you're. you're <laughs> I'm, I'm losing it. You're losing it, Alex. How are you doing? Yeah. Oh man, I'm I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing. You know what? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Is it still super rainy out there? Um, it's just kind of cloudy. That's the that's the Vancouver neutral position. It's like ah, oh, it's just cloudy. Right. It's that's not raining. It, it could rain. It might rain a little somewhere, but like it's not. You it's not the worst the weather. Too. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, we've been man. We keep getting like it. It'll like snow at night. And then just be warm during the day. This is oh. all over the place. Spring. 
spring. Yeah, I know the weather is like so fucked. Like I get up, I go to work, and I'm layered up. And then halfway through the day, I'm like, oh, it's like it's the hottest it's ever been in my life. And then you get to the end of the day, and then it's like, oh, now it's cold again. It's, it's all over the place. All over the place, yeah. We haven't had a good weather discussion in a while. I figured no. it was time. Yeah, tuck into it. Spring is here. Yeah. Never fear. Um, Alex, we're talking about what some consider one of the greatest songs in rock and roll history. Yeah, it's a, it's a big one. It's a big one. And of course, we're talking about it for our new theme month. This is like a teaser episode because it's coming out in April. Uh, we're doing what, what I've decided to call, get ready for this, I'm pitching you this title live, Unmarketable May. Unmarketable May. Yeah, no, it's good. It's, uh, it's the spiritual successor in some ways to Entrepreneur Summer. Rest in peace to a real one. Rest in peace to a real one. Yeah, just songs that have questionable names, essentially, that are hard to for people to... To associate with the song yeah. itself. I'm trying to think if we've done... We've done ones where they like have it tucked into the brackets. They'll do a, a bracket title with the, the hit part of the song so that people can still find it. Yeah, I'm sure we've done some before, but there's some big ones that we haven't for sure. Yeah, including some big ones. This one. This one, massive. Um, Alex, you a big Who fan? Um I I've come back to and fall off of the Who, I feel like. Because mm. I have definitely been a pretty big fan at times in my life. Like well, I mean, growing up, well, early life, I should say, like my early classic rock phase so when i was like nine to 12 years old kind of they, they were like basically one of the three big british classic rock bands for me so right. which is like the beatles the stones and the who right mm-hmm. and i don't even know if i knew led zeppelin was british at that point so they're not in the equation right um and then like i have some really distinct memories of listening to the who greatest hits cd in my in my room in the top bunk of my bed, like, while I was playing Metroid Prime Hunters on my DS. Like, it's pretty <laughs> ingrained in me. And then, yes. years later, uh, when we really got into Tommy, sort of yeah. at the same time, and then John Bell was involved in that too, I believe. For sure. There was, we had a weird, we made like a, like how some people build terrariums that are like, you know, it's different from the environment around you. We somehow recreated the 70s between the three of us. Between the three of us. Where we were like trading CDs, though. So I guess like the 80s. But like, yeah. We were trading physical like trading music. media of music. I mean, like, here, we'll all listen to this. We're like, no fucking way. Did you guys listen to Tommy last night? And yeah. <sighs> yeah. So an unreal time to be alive. And yeah, we were like, we were like into the Who. I do remember being into the Who for a period. Not a band I listen to much these days. Um, but yeah, big hits. I loved Bob O'Reilly. Um, I liked Squeeze Box because it was a song that pretended to be dirty, but was actually about accordions. But was it? Yeah. Talking about like squeezing things and like chests and sitting on laps and things sitting like on laps. That. Yeah. And, and like the, the, the chorus is mama's got a squeeze box. Daddy never sleeps at night. Yeah. It sounds like they're fucking guys. Yeah. <laughs> sounds, sounds dirty. Dirty. And then you got the who sells out, which is like, they're like, Ooh, it's we are selling out because these songs are all uh, commercials, but also that's like kind of punk rock to do that because we got to get paid, guys. Right. Yeah. They're kind of a funny group because they, well, I mean, just reading about this song, they like kind of moved between like groups of fans and then sort of felt like they were apart from that. So I feel like the Who Sell Out was almost maybe an early comment on that I don't, I don't yeah it definitely is like it's done with a lot of tongue-in-cheek and some very clear like 
well, hey, we, we, you know, we've heard of selling out. Obviously, that's why the term the who sells out can be on the cover here. It's like, we're going to do that in the most doing that way you can. Yeah. <laughs> and what are you going to do about it? We're the who. Yeah. Although at, the, at that time, like that was pre-Tommy, mm-hmm. you know, so like they still had some hits, but I guess maybe was, what, 1967? Yeah, it's so crazy. So these guys, first album comes out 65. Then by the second album, 66, Townsend's already looking to like overtake the pop music format and become something greater than that. And then like Tommy's album four. So it's a pretty short life cycle of pre-Tommy. That's true. That's true. And then like by the time you get into the 70s, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously this, who's next, has got some big ones on it. Yeah, it's, I, I would say, probably their biggest album. <sighs> it's gotta be. I mean, Bobo O'Reilly. Yeah. That's a big one. Behind Blue Eyes as well is a really big one. Behind Blue Eyes is a lot. big one. By, is but the by other Limp one's Biscuit, like I believe. My Wife and Loving for Keeping. Hang on, sorry, what was that first one you said? <laughs> I said, My Wife. There <laughs> 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 it is. <laughs> 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 um... And some other ones that I tend to enjoy, but don't know how popular they actually are. Yeah, in my head, like, the song is over and getting in tune are big ones, Yeah, but in reality, are they? <laughs> but I, it's also fascinating, like, from the, like, Lifehouse project, mm-hmm. I, or, the, or looking into the idea of the Lifehouse project, because it's like insane it makes no sense at all he's like we we need to like have audience participation and we need to like there's this idea of like we need to take their vitals and their mood and stuff and like turn that mm-hmm. into a chord yeah somehow and it's like what what does that even mean like like that's such like a surface level thing and maybe he had some ideas about it he, but like because there is a version of the lifehouse project that launches using the internet the site okay. is no longer up, and I don't. I didn't dig too deep. Probably like into, flash based or something. Yeah, but it was like audience contributions, and to piece together some kind of grand musical entity. And that's interesting. And I think they even there was because there's a whole Wikipedia page on it, and they were talking about like they actually did some shows that were mm-hmm. like kind of trials, but people didn't want to participate really. Right, we're, we're like too nervous and stuff. So I feel like that's a pretty big barrier to it as well. Mm-hmm. Something that but, the internet yeah. would alleviate with anonymity. Yeah, with the anonymity, for sure. And like some of the other stuff, um, are, I was talking about like, like you play this like universal chord, and then everyone just like basically dissolves into vibrations and like joins together. I'm pretty sure that's that's Neon Genesis Evangelion, right? That's like yeah, that's human instrument. Yeah, that's the human instrumentality project, which is like um, part of what this Baba character was like preaching as everybody. Of course, you know, it's a very typical spiritual theme, but like becoming right. one and understanding yeah. that we are one. And every Yeah, and gaining understanding and, and breaking down the barriers between people. In this case, people, through yeah. music, although in a very literal way, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. Yeah, so this, yeah, it's a very like bizarre, ambitious strange project it's very weird to because like even reading on tommy and it being like well this was also his idea to to compile baba's teachings into music and you're like and this is, he came up with a plot of- <laughs> I can't although honestly it explains a lot about tommy because yeah, like the big beats it definitely explains <laughs> because like i've been thinking i listen i've been listening to tommy this week as well just because i've been mm-hmm. thinking about the who and the plot's kind of completely ridiculous 
and yeah. like it's paced weird and like i like the songs but it's also like okay so he's he can't see here or feel and like you know he's not responding or but then it's like oh is he just not responding or is he actually unable yeah. to see because he can see his own reflection but then like the the music saves him or something and then he creates a cult and it's like that's it feels like it's all over the place but that's sort of like the thing that maybe starts to tie it together is that he's trying to get across the idea of like vibrations sound music mm-hmm. as like this thing that heals and brings people together right but it's it's not necessarily obvious yeah it's not really on the Just surface the and plot. it's yeah. yeah the plot feels very fractured it's like, um, and now he's good. Well, of course, we know the story. Pinball Wizard is that the what was it? One of the the producers at the record company or something. Right. Some record exec like pinball, just so like pinball. Chuck that in there. So yeah, I guess there is like some other things that got in the way. But even removing that, it's still like the plot's a little dicey. Like he doesn't really understand dissociative like disorders. It seems, yeah. um, or maybe he's just like you know, hyperbolizing it for dramatic effect or it's, it's, un- there's a lot of unclearness, a lot of muddiness. It's a very strange concept. Yeah. Like if, cause if there's no physical, like in theory, Tommy's eyes, ears, and other senses work, but he's, is he just ignoring stuff? Can he actually like, and if he actually is just ignoring stuff, does that mean that his pinball skills are not as impressive because he isn't because actually playing by smell? He can actually smell? see. Yeah, he's not But there's a song called smell. Sensation where he's literally like, oh, I can suddenly feel and see in here. So it's like, oh, wait, no, but he is actually, but he's not, but yeah. Right, anyway. but there, I guess there is also with dissociation, you do, your senses are maybe not fully numb, but they are certainly lowered. True. Anyway, a lot to talk about with Tommy. So, don't want to get too much into that because that's not what we're talking about. We're talking yeah, about. I, I guess the Baba flip Oga. side of that is is knowing what I know about the Lifehouse musical and what is said about this song specifically. It's all very plain faced. <laughs> it's like there's not a lot of mystery because he talks yeah. in a quote here about how it's originally supposed to be sung by a Scottish farmer named Ray who would have sang the song as he took his wife and two children to head to London. But like he wrote it for a musical. I yes. mean, a rock opera. A rock obviously. opera. And it's, and, but like you, like a musical, like it is very much a, like, this is a story beat where the characters, Ray, Sally, and their kids need to go to London now. From my understanding, I think I read that there's like a, there's live music being played in London. Of course, it's naturally it's somewhere post-apocalyptic future where you're either a farmer where you're part of this London underground scene, I guess. <laughs> rock and roll is saving people again. It's a lot of, like, rock opera tropes. I'm, I kind of see why maybe Lifehouse never took off. <sighs> they weren't tropes yet, though, right? I guess. I guess you might be right there. Like, but. <laughs> this is 71. The, basically, 71 is the same year as Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, right? Okay, so like, yeah, you're right. This is pre-tropics. This is, this is building tropes. I mean, and basically the first, like, major rock opera was Tommy. Yeah. They did in the Wikipedia. It was like they came yeah. up with the phrase rock opera. <laughs> yeah. And like you had mentioned a quick one, um, which is wow, kind he's of a way. Yeah. yeah. It's like it's like back. It's like a, a 2112 situation, right? Where it's kind mm-hmm. of like half the album. So they didn't quite commit to it, you know? Yeah. It was apparently like they needed they had the album and they had space. So he put this in. Yeah. I don't actually know how long that part is, but. I don't know. It's six songs, apparently. It's six movements, okay. they call it. So I'd, I would imagine a sizable chunk. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, it's early on. But I, I agree. This idea, like we've talked about rock operas. I mean, another one that springs to mind is um, Kilroy was here, where the right. idea behind it and him discussing the idea of Lifehouse is like, oh, it, it's the future. There's no rock and roll music. <laughs> like we need to rediscover it <laughs> kind of thing, you know? And it's like, oh, that's, yeah, we've seen that. I'm pretty sure that's also the plot of... Um, we will rock you the queen musical the queen yes it is it's also the plot of uh the it's it's either a quiet riot music video or uh fucking what is it skid row music video <laughs> where they like possibly both yeah so possibly like, both it's a trope that comes up and like i don't know it's well it's interesting especially coming from these guys who weren't necessarily born they were kind of born into the the beginnings of rock and roll Mm-hmm. So they yeah, saw they are, it rise like you up. said. Yeah, Beatles era, like Rolling yeah. Stones era. This is really young rock and roll. So it was also like they literally were born into a world without rock and roll. So for some of them, the world was gray and lifeless until they experienced rock and roll. Mm-hmm. And that was like the exciting thing. And they're just trying to like put that into a story. And that's kind of maybe the most right. obvious way of like, well, it can't. It's got to come, start somewhere where there isn't. Yeah, imagine life without it, it, right? Or re-get re it, you know? Or re-get re it, yeah. Yeah. So, interesting that that, that is such a common thing to, to write about. These to write about, but yeah, like you said, it makes sense, since it's probably such a universal experience to be like, oh, here I am in blue-collar town, things aren't exciting, rock and roll comes by, things are exciting. Yeah. Fun. Fun. I mean, we just watched Springsteen on Broadway. <laughs> He says That's something right. similar too. Fun. That's right. Out He's like, some way. guy came in with a guitar and blew my mind. Pretty sure that guy was Elvis. Um, yeah, well, that's right. He did yeah. talk. He's like shaking his hips, shaking his hips, making them drip. <laughs> uh, yeah, rhyming. <laughs> yeah, he's anyway, rhyming. Yeah, <laughs> it's really interesting. But that project completely falls apart. And basically, mm-hmm. they record a bunch of these songs are for that or. That I think I don't know if all of them were written for that project, um, or if they also did some more. But basically, they had these songs, and they were like, "We need an album. Let's record it." They call in Glenn Johns to help, who's a producer, um, right? And they basically said, "Like these are the songs we have," and he's like, "I'll put them together." In, and so he arranged the album essentially. That's what I've heard anyway. Yeah, and he uh, ran- and- that's right because. He gets these tapes yeah. of these recordings too, including the the Lowry organ on this. And Townsend was like, "Oh, he's gonna really strip this thing apart." And he just left it completely as is because he's like, "Well, that's perfect." Yeah, which um, I guess I get. I mean, we've been talking about kind of the album and the story around it so much. But yeah, I guess that's kind of maybe important to understand. Um, and I think it is like the meat of this because, as we've kind of prefaced, these lyrics aren't what I thought they were when I was listening to them. It's true. I'm, I always had it in my head that this, this was, and it is a big thing, but I, I always thought of it as so like monolithic and huge and long. It's not mm-hmm. that long. It's not short. It's not that long. But no. it's, it's five minutes. And so it's like, it's like reasonable. Yeah. And it's not that complex. No. Structurally anyway, but we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Although uh, Francis Black of Pixies says that there is some some complexity into its structure. Sure, there 
There, I get, but like it, maybe it's just that I'm used to it. But we'll 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 discuss it. Yeah, I think in terms because what he mentions here, he says, "quote It's not just straight up verse, chorus, verse, chorus." I was always impressed by that song, the way it changes, the way the end of the song sort of becomes the chorus by eliminating one of the chords or removes the minor chord, and it's an outro, I guess. But it feels like, oh, here we are on the chorus again, even though it's not. It's totally different than anything that came before it. So I really like that song. Songs like that, I tend to whatever. So yeah, he's talking about like yeah chords and things, whereas like. Yeah, that's right. You are doing these sort of masterful moves of just taking out small pieces of it. But I think what we're talking about is like, there's not that many pieces to begin with. It's like, yeah. there's not a lot of verses. There's a middle eight that takes up like most of the song. There's some <laughs> guitar solos and there's mostly this repeating synth. And there is some supporting like kind of, it's, it's anthemic. There's big chord hits. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, but it's dun, mostly, dun, I mean... Dun. We're kind of f- sorry. I, I, we're flipping our uh, yeah, format. We, we put we flipped it around here. I, I mean, sometimes you gotta. That's just how, how mm-hmm. we're going. Um, it's mostly just power chords, like yeah, for most of the song. And it's not just the guitar. There's a piano there too, right? That's um, right. And it's they're just all kind of doing the same thing. And that's a lot of the song. It's just three chords. Yes, those three chords, sustain. and like the drums are hitting cymbals on those hits too. So like. The drums it's, are actually more intricate. Place, yeah. <laughs> um, they're Keith Moon drums, so there is a, a, a high level of like frenetic energy that's they're yeah. quite dynamic. But even then, yeah, and they're still so making cool. sure to hit those those key chord notes with the the piano and the guitar. Mm-hmm. So like this just, anthemic just, yeah. feel is built out of very small components, which is, I mean. It feels like it should get boring, but I don't know. Maybe, I mean, this is going to be another Kansas where I'm like, everything about this song is just perfect. I don't know how they did it. Like, yeah, that's probably it because I've been like, listening to it for most of my life, but damn. Yeah, so how could you change it in your brain? You're like, yeah. you can't. Yeah, um, so the other things we should talk about there, uh, the voice, the vocals on this are very, again, in that like high energy feel. Out here in the field. Yeah, he is screaming, and honestly, like, so I had a weird relationship with my thoughts on Roger Daltrey's voice because back in 2006, maybe when they released yeah. Endless Wire, mm-hmm. I got it for Christmas um, and I listened to it and I was like, that doesn't sound like the same singer, but I'd been listening to like early who and like right. hadn't really heard some of his deeper uh, voice singing. So I don't know how I re- reached that conclusion because listening to other stuff like this song and yeah, some of the later about stuff, like a forty-five-year difference between yeah. those or thirty-five. Like, I think. But even then, like he still sounds like Roger Daltrey, but like mm-hmm. just on the early stuff, like my generation, he sounds a little different. But he's right. got a pretty impressive voice. The other thing about his voice here, um, like this, like I'm trying to think of, I don't know all the early Who albums, but like compared to the earlier stuff, and particularly compared to Tommy, which was immediately before this. Right. Minus a few singles. This just has like a power to it that mm-hmm. you just don't get on Tommy. Yeah, certainly not. It's uh we're reaching more of like what is gonna become like the hard rock staples of this time, the real arena yeah. rock, like big vocals, big energy, and a bit of that like just that classic rock like vocal pattern yeah. quality to it. There's, you know, the the combination of the like depth and bravado and like say bravado. I think I used bravado last week at some point too. Nice. I love the word bravado. It's a good. It's a nice word. Um, and the piano chords. Oh my gosh. Yes. They're huge. 
Massive. But they're just playing chords, but it's just like banging on this piano. Um, And what's interesting, I mean, it starts with the chord. Well, it starts with piano chords, not um, guitar chords. Right. Pete Townsend's known for big power chords. He's also known for like his kind of windmill arm playing and just like smashing the chords, you know? Right. And this piano playing also sounds like that. Yeah, it sounds like the equivalent for sure. Yeah, on piano. So it's like very forceful. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's huge. Um, yeah, and that's a lot of the song. Yeah. And but we haven't to- talked much about... Sorry. I, I was going to say, cause I feel like we're just going to tackle the song structure without talk, talking the lyrics right now. Loop around to these lyrics. Maybe we should um, talk about the lyrics. Yeah. We will, but I want to talk about this synth. Yeah. Because I, I assumed it that, was yeah. like a, uh, like a you know, your standard like repeating function, your arpeggiator or whatever. You just set it and go. But it's 1971. Yeah. Which I guess that sort of thing. Honestly, I, I knew there was a violin on this song. I kind of thought that part might also be the violin originally. Okay. But it is not. It, it is, is not, not no. <laughs> it's, uh, so he tried to do that. He's, he created this pattern using, I guess, what's called the marimba repeat function. Yeah, I don't know exactly what that is. Yeah, it's unclear to me like some what kind is, of sequencer of some sort, it sounds like, or a pigeator. Right? Yeah, that may be, because, like, this, the synth does shuffle around. It's not one, one like, simple phrase getting repeated. Uh, simple but quirky repeat on a certain 60s lower organ. Certain fixed scale notes are repeated either on or off beat, serendipitously creating a compl- complicated repeat pattern when chords or two notes are held down. Okay. okay. Um, and I think there's a similar function of my synthesizer as well, because it's, like... It's some it's regular pattern, but like you hold down a note, you hold down a chord, and it plays them in a certain pattern. But then you can say like, okay, keep playing these two notes, or whatever, like, but yeah. in other, like, add higher or lower um, octaves versions of it, versions, octaves, like yeah. versions of the same note, and then it kind of plays that, and it's like a pattern, but feels a bit random. And then if you lift off of a note, it'll keep doing that, but there'll be a few less, yeah notes played right. so i think it's that sort of thing okay so essentially he's like programmed it a bit to be like these are the the notes we're using and then he'll press and release accordingly to sort of shift the complexity yeah and with a marimba i mean i guess you can play those really fast or <laughs> like the way a marimba is played you can kind mm-hmm. of do like or like multiple mallets and things like that so it's sort of emulates a marimba but also in like a early electronics kind of way where it's like not really but it sounds cool it sounds very cool so much so that it is the front piece for the first minute of this song yeah like quite a bit mm-hmm. i mean we this song is very spaced out yes um but it's exciting i don't know even yeah i feel like it still works like Yeah, it's such a distinct sound. Yeah, they use it as intro music for the Lakers, uh, the basketball team. Good intro music. Which which places this in the same category as uh, Alan Parsons Project uh, (laughs) Sirius, which is also which was the Chicago Bulls entrance music. And yes, the the yeah in this is used in the CSI New York. Uh, Yeah, this is in CSI New York opening theme. Yeah. Which uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dog. Yeah. 
So we get that. We get the 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 piano, the drums come in. We get Roger Daltra coming in. We have this big energy. How do we switch that up? We do the middle eight section. Yeah, that's a really interesting part. Yeah, that's like the next bit because once we've set up this, you know, this uh, marimba repeat synth, these big chords, these big drums, and the big vocals, it's like we need to shift from that space, and we do that with a with a big break. It's uh, yeah, because it feel. I mean, it's so simple, and then, but so big. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of does the like, like it keeps the ostinato, but ostinato—that's the other that's the, word uh, the for, synth? The, for yeah. the thing the synth is doing. Um, but and then it like places them those chords, but then like yeah, just brings it all down. Yeah, and you're talking about those windmill chords before that he plays. It's that's what leads up to this section. So yeah. it, like it really slows it down through like four of those and then yeah we clear to the space of just the the ostinato synth yeah but the synth is still there yeah yeah and then it's that and you get a different vocalist we get pete townsend in to do this and he sings like a little british angel you know it's very tender <laughs> very sweet let my love open the door yeah <laughs> yeah That's definitely a, a different sound to it um i like when they go back and forth on tommy too but they, they, they do this sometimes. Yeah. And then, boom, we drum roll from that back into verse two, which somehow sounds stronger than verse one, despite theoretically being the same. I guess it's because the guitar is there consistently through this verse, whereas it comes in about halfway through verse one. Yeah. The guitar is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's huge. Um, and still just so simple. Like, I can't believe it's just those chords, basically. Yeah. Like, dun, dun. I was so ready to have to, like, exhaustively take notes this week. Because <laughs> I, I had like... such, I had this idea that it was such this long, complex song. Yeah. And it kind of isn't. No, it's pretty, pretty simple. Yeah. It's... Like, comparing it to, again, comparing it to uh, Kansas, comparing it to um, mm-hmm. Carry On Wayward Son. Wayward Son, yeah. I almost said it wrong. Um I'm going to carry on my wayward son. Oh. Yeah. Um, like a fool there. Dodged a bullet. Um, there's just so much going on in that. And it's like, this is a riff. This is another riff. Now we're doing another riff. Yeah. Like, yeah this it's is a, like, nope, it's three chords. It's three chords throughout. At one point, I think it's two chords. Yeah. That's in the outro, if I'm, if yeah. I'm understanding Francis Black's quote correctly. Other than that, yeah, the outro is the other big section. Yeah. So we get uh, to that outro, we get a little guitar solo, like... Just a little. It might even be a, yeah. another middle eight. It's bang, actually there's bang, another bang, guitar bang. solo earlier on. And I right. That was cool. I'm trying. I have a time. Yes, two fifty seven, which is after the second verse. Before yeah. we just do another chorus. After that, we get like a guitar lick, and that's like the first guitar lick in the song because mm-hmm. up until then it's been all just power chords yeah you get this guitar lick and the piano shifts from doing power co- chords finally to also still feel very fat yeah. but different yeah just not quite the same thing oh and it does the oh, glissando into the chorus yeah the, nice. the slide down yeah very nice yeah <sighs> and yeah the big move on this like the real outro is after the, the repetition of Teenage Wasteland we get uh, this guitar solo again going, and then eventually this violin slips in from their their yeah, guest. The electric violin. That man's name 
Dave Arbus. That's correct. From the band. Oh, I forget what band it was. Uh, uh, East of Eden. Right. Um, apparently invited by Keith Moon. Uh, yeah. For some reason, it's called a viola on Genius, but I'm pretty sure it's a violin. Yeah, I think it's a violin on Wikipedia. So. Um, and this part's just really cool. Because you get this violin solo as everything starts to like, like the tempo starts to steadily increase. Yeah. And the drums and the bass start to get more and more hectic. And the bass in particular is doing this like oompa thing. It's kind of mm-hmm. a weird change of pace. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Um, and it's just like the drums go into a drum roll. <laughs> everything just gets so fast and everything's still going. And then it's just like, bum, bum, like, cuts off very fast yeah yeah it's like this big build that gathers in speed led by a violin which almost comes out of nowhere but slots right in with that synth somehow Mm -hmm. like it's a very unexpected yeah because it's an electric violin and the synthesizer is a little distorted and it's a little distorted so like they end up fitting together quite nicely yeah yeah, and then everything just builds up to that one last final note that. And that's how you make it. It's a very exciting song. A and very like, exciting it's song. shockingly simple. Like, I was not expecting to be able to go and be like, oh, yeah, it's these chords still. Yeah, we're still doing this chord. Like, it's. But, but very effective. I mean, it, it, I find it very exciting. Um, yes. Obviously, it's a popular song, and it's a song that has really stood the test of time. I mean, they're still performing it. Yeah, and this all this despite the song being about a farmer going down to London. <laughs> yeah, which is not something I ever picked up on. No, never. But part of that is lyrical delivery, I think. Yeah, as we're going to talk about right off the we bat here. Definitely um, talk about. Right that's now. right, folks. We're just getting into the lyrics now. Although we already uh, covered here. instrumentation, we did, so we're just yeah, flipping yeah. them. We're flipping them. We, we flipped it on you, folks. Because uh, we got I too excited the... about the instruments. I don't know, man. Yeah. That's, you, can't, you can't stop the rock. Yeah. Let's talk more rock. Yeah. This is all talk. No rock. <laughs> Out here in the fields. This is, this is genius saying this. Not me, folks. This next one. I fight for my meals. Fight I for get my, my back into my living. Now, for the longest time, you and I both thought this was fought. Like, I fought for my meals. Yeah. Like, it's past tense. And then I the way he co- says it. Yeah. It makes it sound like that, and there's a lot of confusion around this, at least between us. Um, and mm-hmm. my, I always assumed that the scene it was setting was more like, like the fields are just a metaphor uh, yeah, <laughs> for like, a place uh, you where just you're as- exposed. <laughs> kind yeah. of. Yeah. So I was thinking, like, He's basically living on the streets and doesn't have yeah. defense, and you know he needs to work hard to survive, which is still what he's saying. Yeah, but I thought he was always just kind of calling himself like a like a scrapper, like a bit of a like a go getter. He's like, you know what, out here in the fields, I give him my all, brother. I'm out here. I'm on these streets. I'm getting yeah, that paper, especially in the context of you know it's by the Who. My generation's a big Who song, and yeah, like the idea of being. A young person who is independent, basically, mm-hmm. is sort of a theme they've played with. Um, yeah, and so coming from that, really only knowing the singles and not knowing, you know, the stories, that was definitely my take on it. Yeah, 
And now listeners might be confused because they're looking at this and they're saying, well, it's I fight for my meals. It could still be that. But I don't think it is I fight for my meals. It doesn't um, seem to be. It's weird, though. Uh, it's weird. A song facts comment pointed this out, and that seems like the worst source to get anything from. But <laughs> the guy was like, I'm so pissed off that this error is still out there. It's I farm for my meals. And that sounds crazy at first, so I went to listen to it in slow-mo, because I was like, this dude's a fucking idiot. <laughs> it's what I said to myself. I listened to it first on, like, full speed, and I was like, okay, it's a little weird. And then I, like, half-speeded it, and I was like, mm. <laughs> I put it down to a quarter speed, folks. And it, I'm, like, 90% sure he says I farm for my meals. It's, I mean, we were checking out live versions, too, and it kind of looks like Roger Daltrey, like, closes his mouth for the M sound. Yeah, I farm for my meals. But he, he kind of says it like, Fup! and it's like really hard to tell. Yeah, it, he almost drops off the second half of the word, so you really just get the fuck. Yeah. You know it starts with an F, and you just yeah. gotta fill it in. So it's, it's tough, but in the context of Lifehouse, and the story mm-hmm. of, it's about a farmer, right? Yeah. This like is from Farmer Ray's perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Farmer Ray. So... Yeah, if this is Farmer Ray's song, yeah, he farms for his meals. It's a literal description, especially coming from Tommy, when a lot of the lyrics are very literal descriptions of things that are happening. Yeah, so that seems to check out. And, you know, I get my back into my living makes a lot of sense that farming is physical labor. Like, he's yeah. just saying, like, yeah, I'm sweating out here. Um, and then, of course, the next line, which is more evidence, as you pointed out to me before, off mm-hmm. air. I don't need to fight to prove I'm right. I don't need to be forgiven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't need to fight to prove I'm right. Like, he, if he fights for his meals, but he doesn't need to fight. Although it could be saying, I fight for me and my meals, but I don't need to fight frivolously. Right. Um, but that's, yeah. And that, I guess we have to ask, what does he mean, I don't need to fight to prove I'm right? True. I, I mean, going to my own past interpretation of it, um... Again, looking at my generation, like he's this, Mm -hmm. it's sort of a progression of being this kid from my generation, right? So he's coming from this very in your face place of like, well, you know, why don't y'all fade away? Kind of sounded like I was going to say fuck off, but we can't say that yet. Tricky, Alex, tricky. Um, I know, right? Um, But now I've matured a bit Mm -hmm. and I don't, I don't feel the need to be in this fight anymore, which is what song were we what song um Portugal the Man um, uh, Feel It Still has a um, similar yeah, message feel it still. of like I'm not in this fight because I have other stuff but like I still like have the fight in me but I'm not necessarily on the front lines anymore for various reasons right anyway yeah, I- that's kind of what I always thought of it yeah i kind of see it as him being like i don't need and this maybe plays into that generational idea too but like i don't need external validation so i like i don't need to fight to prove i'm right because it is like self-evident maybe not exactly but yeah not exactly but it's like i no longer need the approval of these authority figures or whoever to prove that i'm right so yeah is that a different fight from fighting for my meals is this guy saying he picks his fights He's like, I fight to survive, not to, you know, get the approval of others or to impress. Yeah, I think that the makes bourgeoisie. the most sense to me. But also, he farms for his meals, so it doesn't, maybe it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, so it like, doesn't um, matter. 
Although, I mean, also, the line, I don't need to be forgiven, I think makes some sense in that context as well. One thing mm-hmm. that I didn't... Like, look, sometimes you'll get hints of it in older British interviews, but, like, the Church of England was very powerful right. at this time. This is Possibly a Jesus died so. for somebody's sins, but not mine line. <laughs> Something like that. It's like, I don't need to be forgiven is more about not necessarily needing to participate in that part of society and like not mm-hmm. being controlled in a way. Yeah. yeah. I think I would agree with that interpretation. That seems right. I don't need to be forgiven that concept that we're born with inherent sin. He's like, and that it ties again to, I don't need to fight to prove I'm right. He's like, this is my standpoint is that like I exist right. and therefore that's enough. I and I don't I need to be forgiven for the crime of existence. Like I that. Am. Doesn't need to happen. I'm out here. I'm either fighting or farming for my meals. I put my back into my living. He's like, like, I'm getting food. I'm getting food. Don't worry about it. I'm getting fed. Mind your own business. Yeah. So ultimately, though, I think it's a little unfocused because, I mean, that's why Lifehouse fell apart, was it was mostly just like a philosophical concept. And he was like, Can I turn it into a musical? Not really. No. Not really. Um, But he did write some cool songs. He did, and, he, and some cool lines, as we'll come into in the uh, middle eight here. Don't cry. Don't raise your eye. It's only Teenage Wasteland. Teenage Wasteland. That's an interesting... I mean, obviously, huge line. Um, there's stories behind it, but I feel like there's different ways you can look at it. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about some of those stories first. Yeah. Uh, Townsend stated the song was also inspired by, quote, the absolute desolation of teenagers at Woodstock, where audience members were strung out on acid and 20 people had brain damage. The irony was that some listeners took this song to be a teenage celebration. Teenage wasteland. Yes, we're all wasted. Um, and there's another thing he cites as a uh, influence. Did I write it down? No, I didn't. <laughs> there was something else, though. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting... I mean, it's a cool line. Obviously, Teenage Wasteland is a cool enough mm-hmm. line that people think it's the title of the song. Yeah. Right? Like, it sticks with you that much. When you're like, well, obviously, this is the name of the song. It was a working title as well, I think, before they yes. changed it. And then that title became a different song. Teenage there Wasteland? is another song. I don't know if it is released or if it's just a demo called Teenage Wasteland by The Who. Oh. Didn't realize. Yeah, try googling it. <laughs> you can't. Yeah, it does make it difficult, um, and also made it difficult. Well, I mean, that's how you found this song on on LimeWire back in the day, pretty much. Oh yeah. Um, but the idea of the teenage wasteland. Well, interesting that he brings up um, Woodstock in particular, because Woodstock is kind of stated, or I've heard it stated as like a. I mean, they were already famous, but like a big break mm-hmm. for Tommy in particular because they played Tommy there, and apparently he's awesome. Right. Um, I don't think they played the whole thing, but anyway, um, and that's part of like what is said to have pushed the album into success, mm-hmm. at least in the states. But uh, so, and I already mentioned their sort of strange relationship with their fans. Yeah. Um, and that's something they've mentioned where like they started out as this like mod band and mod didn't really last as a subculture. Um, right. And then sort of like their fan, they like had fans, they were successful, but like they felt like they didn't really have 
a strong connection with their fans in some way. And then maybe seeing them at Woodstock in a state where they were like, well, I'm not necessarily feeling this connection. But at the same time, obviously they're pretty, or Pete Townsend in particular, pretty strongly believes that music can bring people together, possibly on a Mm -hmm. fundamental level. Um, Yeah. So there's concepts there. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I don't know how it brings it all together. He explains, this is an interview from Billboard magazine in 2010, um, where he kind of like looks back on his music. He says, when he wrote the band's classic tunes, quote, the music there was about living in the present and losing yourself in the moment. And that's, I think, a bit of that same like music unites us. He's like, so this is music that's going to take you into the present moment and and have you live there and experience that joy, that oneness. I don't know what it means to raise your eye. Um, you know, when you see something confusing or something you don't understand, is it like raising your eyebrow? Judge. Yeah, raising an eyebrow, You're being like, like huh? "What the fuck is this?" Don't worry yeah, about it's, it. The, it's you give him the Dwayne the Rock Johnson look. Yeah, it's a classic eyebrow razor. Give him the, let him know that uh, you can smell what they're cooking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you don't um, like it. Um, the so, other yeah, for thing, me, this was no, okay. No, ahead. yeah, for you, because I ha- I was gonna say no. You can go because I just did a bunch, but I also have like another thing of what what it meant to me in particular. But I, I feel right. like I should give you a chance to talk. I feel like it's like he's saying like you know it's only teenage wasteland. Like even like for me as a teenager is like the worst of it. Even if it is a wasteland, like one we all go through it, and it's not as bad as it seems it's only teenage wasteland yeah it's like this communal experience that it's like yeah it sucks but we all go through it so don't cry don't raise your eye just live it because it's you'll get through it yeah and honestly that's kind of what i was gonna say too like that was always Mm -hmm. my thoughts on it of like interesting the way they say it's a celebration of like it's teenage wasteland like everything's destroyed and that's awesome but yeah for me it was always like if it sucks it'll pass yeah kind of thing and they do i guess they do turn it celebratory in the chorus which uh we might as well just discuss now teenage wasteland it's only teenage wasteland teenage wasteland oh yeah teenage wasteland they're all wasted um which sounds very exciting when he plays it but looking at it he really is just repeating the concept from before where he's like it's only teenage wasteland yeah they're all wasted it's like totally fine don't worry about it but in the context of the the failed musical lifehouse it's about and i this I, we do need to get the next person here to fully flesh this out but it's about how their farmland is just a place basically for teenagers to die it's like people grow up here to die it's a wasteland of opportunity because everybody just ends up being farmers farming fucking dirt or whatever they do like what however <laughs> bad this farm. post-apocalyptic future is i don't know but like yeah that's apparently the concept there is that he's like telling his wife like don't be attached to this place it sucks <laughs> <laughs> yeah interesting and that comes up here in verse two sally take my hand we'll travel south cross land put out the fire and don't look past my shoulder the exodus is here the happy ones are near let's get together before we get much older Before we get much older yeah sally is his wife in in the context right Yes, it's Farmer Ray's wife, yeah. Or is it Sally Simpson from from Tommy? It could be. Who just goes to... It's a sequel. (laughs) Yeah, it's a sequel. (laughs) Um, Or he just likes the name Sally, I guess. That's my grandma's name. Hey. Anyway. Grandma Sally. Um, 
Yeah, this verse like grown up, I had no fucking clue what was going on. Yeah, here. honestly, well, it sounds vaguely romantic. Sally, take my hand. And let's and, get together before we get much older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good lines. Oh, right? yeah. Like, and then shouting, the Exodus is here. Yeah. Like, all that stuff. Like, that sounds so cool. Put out the fire. Like, Put I'm, out we're doing it in reverse. <laughs> when, like, d- does it really make any sense? No. I mean, yes, if you, like, kind of. Yeah, but like traveling south to London. <laughs> Put out I the never fire. Even heard, they, yeah, I never even they, heard like, travel have. south across land. Like, I didn't know that was the worst. I, I always thought it was, like, some far <laughs> land or something. Yeah. I have no idea what I would have thought it was. Because I, I caught land. Uh, I don't know. Put out the fire. Like, yeah, put out the fire is easy to read. Yeah. So he's saying, so like, put out the fire. Don't look past my shoulder. Like, their homestead is probably, it's got a fire in it. So he's like, put the fire out. Yeah. Don't look don't back look at back. this place. No looking back, right? Yeah. And he's saying the exodus is here. So like the people, the time to leave is now the exodus. It's the get out time. And the people who are happy to do it are around us. The happy ones are near. Yeah. So he's like, this is the time to leave. We gotta get the fuck out of here. We gotta get the fuck out. I think Scotland? He's a Scottish farmer? Scotland or Northern England. Or Northern uh, England, know, I guess. The north, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, London's pretty far south, so. Yeah. And so I guess let's get together. Like, doesn't make sense because they're married in the context of the. <laughs> is it a him? Or is it let's get together like with everyone? Like, let's bring yes. people together, right? With the happy ones. Let's get together yeah. before we get much older. Because, like, now is the time to. We, when we still have get up and let's go, become the still happy leave. ones. Let's become the happy ones. Let's um, get let's get down to London with these people. And yeah, I mean the the idea of the exodus, like an exodus, mm-hmm. generally, or when you talk about an exodus, it's a lot of people leaving a place, coming somewhere else, right? So yeah, and again, yeah, exodus is a very like uh, church charged word. I feel true. Yeah, it's the book of the Bible. <laughs> book of the Bible. So it's like he's uh, that that came up. So yeah, there's this again, like same in the first verse where it's like not really focused. So you kind of yeah. just pull out, except that it kind like. of like, it's in a way, more focused. Yeah, it's a descri- like a literal description of things that are happening. Right, take my yeah. hand. We'll travel south. Put out the fire. Don't look back. And then it gets a little more, you know, yeah, a little loose. more open, loose. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's still like we'll join with other people and we'll go with them. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, the actual like that's like the literal thing. But there's there's more to it. But mm-hmm. I, I almost wonder, do you, do you think, I mean, this song works yes. and it's like provocative, but do you think all that meaning is there without knowing the backstory? Um, I think it plays more on, like, I think, well, I think the instrumentation plays a lot into how people read the lines. I guess like, so. I mean, it's about the vibrations, man. Yeah. It's almost another like born to run kind of song. Because you, you hear Sally take my hand and like, let's get together. There's these ideas of just like yeah. grasping on to romance in a, in a whatever kind in a teenage wasteland, right? Mm-hmm. He says like teenage wasteland sucks, but you know what? Take my hand and let's get together. Cause what else do we have to do? So I think like it doesn't give you the full story, but it gives you a story that functions and that connects with people. Yeah, somehow. And like I said, like just the individual lines themselves are like evocative enough that you can just mm-hmm. shout them yeah. and feel good without even really thinking about what they mean. Oh, yeah. It's it, like even just the phrase teenage wasteland, not really knowing what it means. You can still yeah. scream and shout that out because it sounds great. It's only teenage wasteland. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So... Those are the lyrics, man. Yeah, that's a, 
It's not what I, even coming into this week, I was like, all right, we're finally going to get to the bottom of this. And it's like, it's about a farmer named Ray. I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay. Not the bottom I was expecting. <laughs> yeah, not what I expected, but all right. Uh. Yeah, that is the lyrics. So it is a, it's an anthem on it's one level about anthem. a farmer named Ray on another level about unity and freedom, I guess. It's kind of like a basic hippie anthem post the 60s yeah very interesting i mean part of lifehouse falling apart was is perhaps related to the hippie ideals falling apart as well right Mm -hmm. because part of the issue there there were a lot of ideas about free love and coming together but not much about how that would actually happen like it was very much like oh we'll just come together and then everyone will be fine right without much of like like thought to the logistics of that Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what happened to Lifehouse. He's like, oh, well, we're going to input everyone's vitals into a synthesizer, and then that will make a chord. And it's like, what does that even mean? What does yeah. it mean to input vitals into a synthesizer? Into, yeah, what I want to understand <laughs> the process where he was like, okay, I'm going to, one, get the vitals of this Indian spiritual guru. Yeah. Two, Which, like, where those are those synth? written down somewhere? Yeah, what? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, is it as easy as, like, finding his birth date? You're like, mm, here are the vitals. And like they would vitals change is my understanding. So you're like hooking him is it the same way like you can run a guitar through your synthesizer and then have that yeah, function I mean, as like a like this, or is it like that? You're gonna hook up like a, a machine to Baba and then ru- from Baba to the synth like to a recording software. Like the big thing I could think of would be mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you've seen like heart rate monitor screen. Right. right? That is an electrical current. That's mm-hmm. being displayed, right? It, it's it, it, a machine senses your heart rate and then turns it into electrical current, which is turned into an image. Right. So that electrical current could also be put through a synthesizer because it's a, it's a wave. Right. right? It's, a, it's, a, it's a pulse. It's a heart. Heartbeat. Yeah, would you get anything wave. beyond that, though? A heartbeat? Like you yeah, that's the thing. Like, is like, that's not a chord. That's... That's one tone. And the other thing is, like, I mean, have you seen, like, modular synthesizers on stage? There's, like, chords hanging off of everything. Yeah. So, that's, if, even if the, the, a heartbeat is driving something, what, one, where do you plug that in to start? And, like, what do you do with it? Like, there's a, a, a trillion configurations. I, yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, so how yeah, how do you do any of that? <laughs> um, if somebody knows if there's some some person who's ever tried yeah, to do maybe. a version of this project somehow. Just, for me, maybe I'm just a very like physically minded person, but like there's not that I know of a link between those two things and yeah. creating the link would destroy the idea that it is in any way profound. Yeah, I'm missing me. like it would, might be cool. Yeah. I just don't know how you would either translate it directly like you said in the very physical sense like here's the beat here's the electrical coherence boom that's the music i also don't know at what stage you would be able to abstract like where you can be like well this is how we're going to use this information in a non-linear fashion like i don't know where that comes in yeah i mean they didn't either i think yeah well it's like obviously it didn't come to it's a but you know any idea that gets us talking about it like this has something to it even if it's not (laughs) function that it has to it at least is compelling yeah 
I know. I, th- I think it is interesting to think about because I mean, I've even talked about this before. I'm like, oh, we got to find a way. You know, you get into a weird mindset where you're like, you just need to find a way to bring everyone together somehow and break down barriers between people. And you're like, oh, that's really complicated. But also music somehow. And like, yeah, it's like we have very few things that work kind of temporarily. And it's like music <laughs> and drugs. <laughs> yeah. Wait. Like, what if we put them together? No one's thought of that before. Nobody in their life has thought of trying to at once. That's why they got, they got all those dare campaigns. Like, don't smoke a joint and listen to Dark Side of the Moon. Do one. Keep them separate, okay? Keep them separate. It's too much. You'll too start much. to relate to other people. Yeah, it's it's heavy stuff, man. Um, but what a lot of people took away from this song, I guess, at least from a cover perspective, is that country would be a good attribute to add <laughs> to, to, to this Yeah, piece. that is definitely how this turned out. Slash folk, I guess. There's like some more, depending, I get, depending on where you want to classify accordions. True. Maybe that's, maybe that's the accordion squeeze box line. If you're on a squeeze box, you're country. If you call it an accordion, you're folk. I don't know. Yeah. But before we get to that, we got to get to the pickets in 1996. We do. The pickets. Seattle, uh, these guys are funny. They're comedians. They're Seattle's only Grange Rock combo. Yeah, Grange Rock. Um, Grange, I comes from the french word for barn yeah i think I, th- I think they're probably pulling it from like lagrange yeah which is the barn the barn the barn um so the country rock this is country barn. rock they're from seattle that's why they, they they're trying to make a grunge rock pun yeah yeah um and we're definitely in the country vein i mean the vocals are very western yes uh, lots of twang and like lots of twang. like yodel adjacent sounds uh, they do the male-female harmony thing, mm-hmm. which you get in folk and country yep. a lot like this. Yeah, I was surprised at how functional it was. But knowing also that the root of the song is being about a farmer, it's like, okay, yeah, You're maybe like, oh, yeah, yeah. maybe right. country is the right fit. Um, yeah, I mean, well, I, I think it still works anyway. I mean, I... Don't even though the original is about a farmer, like I feel like the song doesn't feel that way. Right? Yeah, it doesn't either. feel like a farm class. I mean, how long? Like I farm for my meals, which maybe still isn't even the line, but probably is. It probably is. But yeah, it's one line about being a farmer. A yeah. lot more lines about teenage wasteland. <laughs> teenage wasteland. Um, no lines about Terry Riley, who like part of the title. We didn't really touch on him. Yeah, I didn't know much about him i knew he was a big time composer big into minimalism which i guess plays into what we talked about a lot how the it's like just a lot of power chords in this song yeah um which is one of the reasons this one's interesting because they don't really do that they they adopt a very full sound yeah but they keep it pretty low key and they don't have like that big sound and it gets i guess it still isn't like that complicated but i feel like they're really filling out space with different sounds as opposed to like the big Guitars, everything playing guitars, the same thing. Yeah, and like with that, the synth on the original does fill out a lot of space. So I think that's what they're trying to do with the guitars. Well, that's true. Directly imitating it, they are like, well, there's all this synth space that needs to be covered. 
in order to yeah. have anything resembling Bob O'Reilly. They're like, how do we do that? Well, let's have like three guitars going. Yeah. And, you know, weaving in and out of each other. Weaving One of them is a really cool, like, wavery sound, which kind of is like the vocals, but with an yeah. effect. So that's kind of cool. Um, and then they have, like, a guitar picking pattern as well. But yeah. Yeah. So it, it serves a similar function to the, to the um, organ ostinato. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, very, like, like chill, country-harmonized vocals, male-female. Which, I mean, it's a cool, like, the song doesn't need to, it turns out, have that same, like, epic feel to it. I yeah, think. to work. Um, and, and they, but they sort of, like we said, do similar functions, but, but it ends up feeling quite different, um, mm-hmm. ultimately. Even though, and they, but there are still times when they do go back to those power chords, like, there's a bit midway through the bridge and then into the outro. Um, yeah, where they do have the power chords. It's not as massive, right? But they still have them, so you get you get a bigger feeling. Yeah, it plugs a little energy into what's a very chill song. Otherwise, yeah. Um, but I don't know. Other than that, I, did you mention the structure change? Um, no, I didn't. Tell me about it. Well, I, they go right from verse one into verse two. That's right, yeah. Start, and then do another verse two after they go. That's right, the they do after the, the middle eight. Yeah. So a little different structure, but like doesn't change a whole lot. Although there is one lyrical change that I noticed as well, which right. I don't necessarily know. The one I'm thinking of, and this is the only one I noticed, um, is the Exodus is here, but it's warm out here. That's a fucking weird line. Like, did they, did they change this so they could rhyme? Here with here? Like, here with, yeah. What? But it's warm out here. What does that even mean? Like, oh, it's time to go, but it's like too hot outside? We're country people yeah, and like, hot ah, but it's nice. Or is it too hot? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Is it like we should stay because it's nice here and not where we're going? Or I do not know. <laughs> it's weird. Um, yeah, it's... I think, I, I like the feeling of this one, though. It's, it feels yeah. a little more laid back. Uh, they're kind of like leaning back into it. it's a fairly powerful song, mm-hmm. and they maintain some of that, but like, but in a chill way. So it, it almost touches on vibes of uh, Grateful Dead, like American Beauty, with that picking guitar in particular. Picking guitar and their vocals, particularly on the middle eight, have a sort of like friend of the devil quality That's to them. That's true. Jerry Garcia on that very got that like twang. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, you're right. That they definitely have that sound um and, and just like applying it to the who which yeah. is kind of interesting especially now knowing that it's kind of a song about agrarianism or at least yeah. leaving that behind <laughs> yeah weird like post apocalyptic agrarian future yeah um which is probably makes sense um, yeah, it's not something like, like roaming raiders. Like, no, we need to reestablish. Yeah, we need like uh, basic food yeah, needs met. Food supply. Yeah. Um, Before we can build the Thunderdome, we have to build a bumper crop. Yeah. Like one, one bumper crop. <laughs> then you can have your Thunderdome. Um, no Thunderdome before you finish. <laughs> How can you have your Thunderdome <laughs> if you don't have your bumper crop? Um, you have to feed those. Um, gladiators. Yeah. Well, bla- you gotta feed Blaster and Master. And okay? Master. That's, that's two guys you gotta <laughs> feed. hungry dudes. 
Blaster Master, probably pretty easy to feed. Blaster, yeah, yeah he's like three guys. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, so overall, I'd say, yeah, it like it, it it drops the like it's just big chords thing, but mm-hmm. it doesn't drop the ostinato feeling, and it still does those big chords, and it really does fill out a lot of the space that the original kind of does with distortion and pairing up a lot of instruments doing the same thing by having several instruments doing different things. Yeah, for sure. And taking the the tenderness from the original that's mostly present in the middle eight and kind of applying expanding that throughout it. vocally, expanding it, like it, it makes for yeah. a comfortable, cozy version of this. So, pretty cool version. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, with that, though, still in the year 1996, but we gotta talk about those darn accordions. We gotta talk about those darn accordions. Out here in the fields I fight for my meals I put my arms into my living I thought it was those darn accordionists. I don't Is know it why darn I heard accordion? it wrong. No, 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 no it's those darn yeah. accordions. Um, I had it wrong. Well, there you go. Um, they are, they love talking about how they play accordion though, so much so that they rewrite the lyrics to the song, (laughs) which given what we know about the original lyrics, I think is a fine move. It's like, yeah, just, they changed it a bit to be like, it's not about going to the city. It's about learning to play the accordion. Learning to play accordion. So they're, uh, America's favorite rock and roll accordion band, four accordion players, a bass player and a drum player. A drummer, as we call him, and a bassist. <laughs> Four accordionists. Yeah, from San Francisco. Yeah. Um, this one is largely... They create an interesting sound by doing something similar to the previous group, which is kind of interweaving their instruments. Yes. Um, and But the accordions do it, and... In particular, you get it because they're recreating the organ ostinato, but because mm-hmm. it's hard to play and very fast, they sort of have multiple accordions on it. And they're yeah, it's spread across two or maybe three in that intro. Yeah, uh, which is kind of a cool sound, and I I feel like they do some cool stuff when they do that um, multiple accordions kind of weaving thing. Yeah, and I feel like that's mostly at the beginning and then later at the end when they're doing the outro. Right. And there's some stuff in the middle that's like, eh, it's the power chords and like, it's fine. But yeah. I almost feel like this, they could have changed the style up a bit or something. It's, yeah, the original it, version's five minutes. This one's 456 and they do follow it like beat Pretty for close. beat. Yeah. Like it's very close. Um, yeah, and like you're talking about, like especially that intro, I think we could tighten that up because there is a point where it gets kind of annoying <laughs> with with the accordions. It's like check this out, do 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 do, and you're like, oh, you can do it, and then by like the third or fourth time, you're like, fuck me, we're gonna do the full <laughs> minute, like, <laughs> like oh yeah, they did the whole thing. Yeah, they did the whole thing, and once like other elements come in, like the drums and the bass and some vocals, it like they achieve their effect, they achieve their goal of being the synth across two to three accordions. But like it took us a while to get there. And I like, I don't think the, the intro is as good as they might like to believe it is. (laughs) Yeah. It ends up feeling like they could have tightened some things up. Yeah. Cause they are playing it pretty straight. Mm -hmm. Um, which serves their purposes. Like I said, in the beginning and the end, but I wasn't a huge fan of some of the stuff in the middle. 
Uh, particularly, I don't, I don't love the vocals. They're no, not amazing. they're very like karaoke slash tribute yeah. band. Um, which I guess is fine, but it's like because they still do it in kind of the rock and roll style, or like mm-hmm. that's how they're playing it. It it just feels like the vocals are a bit weak, and I feel like if it if they had changed the style more, it wouldn't have been wouldn't have felt that way. Yeah, because it does feel like they're directly competing. Like even with the accordions, yeah. it's like these are directly meant to be the synth. If you don't acknowledge them as that, then you're not listening to this song, right? It's like, well, you're going up against a giant here with four accordions, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> maybe try something a little different. Yeah. So it's it's tough. Yeah. Even if he had got like a second singer with him to kind of like smooth things out, or kind of like you know, what the pickets did, do with the do pickets a harmony. Did. Yeah. Um. Just make it seem like you're trying to do something a little different, mm-hmm. as opposed to, like you said, going up directly. And it's hard, you know, it's hard to go up directly against, yeah. make against it Roger Daltrey. He's got like he's quite full a folk. Like, just have like everybody singing along. Make it into a like a folk ditty about getting out of the farmland and hitting the city, or yeah, about playing accordions. That's still fine. Yeah, which they, I mean, they do, like you said. Um, to have some uh, different lyrics like "child, be a man, play accordion." Yep. Uh, Don't be afraid to strap one across your shoulder. Yeah. And TDA then, is here. Um, TDA. Yeah, those darn accordions. Those darn accordions. Yeah. Okay, that makes oh, sense. We got. To I wasn't. I wasn't sure what he said. I I thought maybe it was someone's name in the group. <laughs> like, are they referencing right. each other now? This like is this little... guy's here. That would yeah. be a good move if then somebody like hit a you know like a little riff. Little accordion riff. TD is here. (laughs) Whatever accordion solo sounds like. Um, but I I did like the outro once they like dropped most of the pretense and moved into what is ostensibly a violin solo. Yeah. Um, that was that translated to the accordion pretty well, I think. Right, because you're this is a very like folk instrument, the violin. It's like okay, we can make that accordion no problem. Exactly. Is it accordion or, or rather, is accordion or a squeeze box? Is it a violin or a fiddle? Hard to say. So yeah, where do you stand on those lines? <laughs> I was watching this live, and I feel like the accordion the guy played the solo on didn't have buttons. Like, mm. like it had a piano side and then nothing on the other side, which is like weird. Okay, I didn't, I didn't get that far the into the live recording. I was mostly just checking for the intro to see how it was spread out across those accordions. They do another. Right. Uh, lyric change that they only half do in this version, in that live version. He says out here, in the live version, he says, out here in the fields, I play for my meals. I put my arms into my living. And on this, the recorded version, he just says, I put my arms into my living, but he still fights for his meals. Yeah, which is, I mean, they're like a comedy group, right? As well. So like, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That's fun. That's cute. Yeah. Yeah. Like conceptually, I think the, the lyrical changes were, like fine, like they're good. They're like, yeah. hey, we're we're little accordion guys. Look at us. Okay, right on. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the album artwork is literally a little accordion guy. Uh, just that's it's right. A it is. It's a playing the accordion. Yeah. So that's fun. And it's called. Uh, although no it's called attached. Which I is that a reference to the fact that there's no strings on an accordion? stringed instruments in their group? But there's a bass. Well, there is. <laughs> well, never mind then. I guess like it's a bass, which isn't considered strings per se, even though it kind of is. 
Yeah. Or like a bass guitar, I wouldn't put in a string section, even though that's maybe a fallacy. Right. Well, it, it is like a hybrid between a, a, a guitar, an electric guitar, and yeah. a, like a stand-up bass. Which, I mean, it's a stringed instrument still, yeah, obviously. Still. But yeah, the same way you don't think of an electric guitar yeah. as a stringed instrument. Yeah, string, stringed instruments sense. are like, oh, you get the double bass on the cello and the viola and the violin and the violetta? Is that? Yeah, Is I that believe it. Am I uh, remembering that right? It might just be somebody's name in the orchestra. But they're definitely in an orchestra. It's a TV series. Yeah, I, think uh, I see that. that. Telenovela? <laughs> Telenovela? <laughs> Uh, anyway, I'm not going to worry about that. I feel yeah, like there's a small, a small, a smaller violin. Un petit viola. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think you're right. The outro works on here. The intro would work better if it was a little shorter, in my opinion. The middle is all a bit of uh, not very good. No, it's the smallest one. Huh. Sorry, Shit. I'm still looking at the violin. Alex, thing. you could revolutionize the music industry by making an even smaller one. I mean, according to this, there's a 164th violin. <laughs> Something okay. like that. 164th violin. It's a we tiny, can go small. Tiny violin. It's so small. That's, yeah. Okay. Sorry. That's okay, Alex. We learned about violettas, we which don't about, exist, except as exist. A, a, a telenovela. Alex, <laughs> telenovela. let's keep it country with uh, the Waco brothers in yeah. 1997. We're back in country, allegedly alt country or possibly country punk yeah um yeah formed by john langford of the meccans which is a british group did i read that right Uh, yeah i believe that's correct meccans british band formed in the late 70s um and are they punk west yorkshire they're uh, an art collective are they the most revolutionary group in the history of rock and roll According to Lester Bangs, they are. Are they? Oh, he wrote it tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, so oh, okay. he was lying about that. Okay. <laughs> he was talking shit. He was talking shit, and they, they're being punk by putting it in their bio. All right, this one, the Waco Brothers. More like the Put Me to Sleep Brothers. Not just kidding. So we get some guitar arpeggio really rolling, some cowbell at the start here. We're going, like, full country on the start here. There's like a slide yeah. guitar too, real low. Yeah, a lot of guitar. Um, although there's also, yeah, real low. It sounds a slide guitar, eh? I was, I was, I didn't think it was a cello, but it kind of is a cello sound. It could be a cello too. I'm making, but I'm making bold guesses. And I don't, claims. I don't think it's a cello because it gets higher at, than I would expect a cello. Yeah. And it doesn't sound like it when it gets higher. It could just um, be like a bass being slid. I don't fucking know, dude. But it's low. That's yeah, the important part. But yeah, it's those arpeggios. What they do, I think, largely is they sort of, like, they keep the power chords, but they change the arrangement around that. Um, yeah, because they so we they, go yeah. from that intro section with the, like, country slides and stuff to, dun, 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 they do that, and then we jump into, like, a real hootenanny verse. It's a hootenanny. <laughs> <laughs> they take the original and they add a hootenanny. They add a hootenanny. <laughs> Because it's, yeah, they're doing the, like, driving, the ticka 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 drums. Yeah. Um, and the, the oompa bass, boom, oompa boom, bass, boom, yep. boom. Yep, it's all there. And, like, mandolin strumming, the, like, faster, higher. I think it's a mandolin, or it's a high guitar, whatever. Yeah, and they're, yeah, playing really high. But... 
like played at the end of lines. Yeah, exactly. So it just has that like Western country feel to it. Yeah. Um, and very like twang. Um, although I say twang, but there's a couple of voices they have. Yeah. Um, so there's like your main vocals, which is a little like like yeah, like husky, raspy. but not like yeah, raspy. Yeah. Leaning more towards punk. This is where they get the punk in their name, I guess. I guess so. Although more so, like, because once you get into the second, the later verses, the second verse, I guess, um, there's like a screaming voice alongside that. Yeah, even more punk. I would have liked to hear more of that voice. It's cool. It's a good voice. It's a cool voice. And I think they pushed it too far back. Um, yeah, it's definitely in the back. And then even later on, once they get to the bridge, or that's not later on, that's before that's, that. That's actually. beforehand. Um, I just wrote the notes in reverse order. <laughs> um, there's another lower voice there. Yeah, there's like a to they do, do the, like a cannon the bridge part, and it's kind of low and twangy. Yeah, they're definitely twang. putting and the very twang echoey. On Lots of echo. So yeah, I mean, still in conclusion, hoot nanny. Yeah. Um. But uh, nope, just that. <laughs> yeah, and then in the second verse where we get the shouty guy, they say something about beer. Yeah, I couldn't. I I heard the Exodus is here. The something wants some beer. Yeah. Um. And then you're the, later on. You're only yeah. teenage wasted. Yeah. You're this is the worst wasted. move they make. Is that that line's already there in the originals? You're all wasted. It's like a punchline, right? Teenage right, yeah. wasteland. They're all wasted. It's like, oh, that's yeah. a you've you've given me a new light on what a wasteland can be—a place where people are wasted. Yeah. And then here they just strip any buildup to that, and it's just they're teenage wasted. You're only teenage wasted. They just want to say you're wasted more. Yeah, and I guess that's why the beer line is there. It's gotta be right. Yeah, so they didn't do it, like, whereas those darn accordions did a lot of work on, like, switching lines around. These guys didn't do much. I didn't, they didn't do enough. Numby wants some beer? Yeah. It's really, it's not much. It doesn't come until the end. And no. Just, is it Numby? Is a Numby a thing? Numby, is that somebody, like, accident? is it a slur, or is it one of the band members' names? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, apparently, they're a pretty good show, though. <laughs> yeah maybe i don't know um yeah but it, so if you it, i i think the strongest part of this is is that they like put that driving rhythm in yeah um and then and it creates a pretty solid like feeling um yeah their sense of like like driving rhythm is good i think their instrumental sections are good the outro they do is very like it pulls on the same vibe of the original while being very distinctly like country. With all these muted like plucking instruments going on and this rolling drum. Yeah, they they keep that th- and then like the guy doing is like la 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 yeah. Which is like a little it's almost like a little new wavy. Yeah, a bit, yeah. Just the way he has like a weird voice being like, "Oh, farewell." Yeah, he could definitely go from this into like B52s or talking heads pretty seamlessly. Yeah, anyway. Devo. Why did it make me think of Devo? I guess they're in the same vein. They're in the same vein. <laughs> um, that's kind of this one, though, yeah. Yeah, this one is, uh, I, it's, you know, it, they came up there, they did their thing for four minutes, then they stopped. Yeah. Let's talk yeah. about 
Um, a band I mostly know from the show Arrested Development, <laughs> Blue Man Group in 2003. Blue Man Group. Blue Man Group is such... I don't know about them, really, other than that they're three blue men. Yeah. But it's not like... Um, it's not like Daft Punk, where no. they're just three guys and we don't know who they are. Like, the, like the, it's a, it's a group, not of blue men, a group of regular humans. Now get this, and they just perform as blue men. I blue know. Man. Um, but there's also like they have a supporting group too, and uh, like looking at their Wikipedia page, they sold the idea too. So it's not like there's. Right, so it's like a franchise. If, yeah, I don't know if the Blue Men are still like, like the original still the, the Blue Men involved. Man. And there's also some story about how like it originated in protests and like guys wearing blue masks. And I don't even know if those guys were ever musicians. Like associated with yeah the Blue Man group. So uh, yeah, the page. I don't know the exact history, but basically, I mean, what I've always known them as is like a Vegas show, basically. Yes, me too. And, like, loosely related to Stomp and that they also love playing trash. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they get referenced a lot in, in uh, Arrested Development. Of course. Because um, you can make hilarious I Blew Myself I Blew jokes, Myself, a classic. Classic jokes, um, etc. Yeah, a lot, et of, a lot of ones about being blue. Most, mostly, mostly being blue. Um, uh, but what about being colored? That was... Oh, yeah. yeah classics yeah. there's a colored man in my kitchen what color blue blue um, hilarious um, uh, that is pretty good great show um for three oh, seasons um <laughs> so it, all that is to say yeah i don't know much about the blue man um don't really know what their deal is it's hard to get a read on them but i think that's kind of the point they're yeah. sort of mimes yeah they're yeah part mime but like musical mimes mostly percussion yeah, I was shocked at how little they actually contribute to their own <laughs> music. Considering they have, like, a whole band behind them. Yeah, and not, like, like, a little band. Like, an entire band. Like, yeah. several guitars, like, two drummers. Like, Yeah, and then a singer as well. A singer, a yeah. singer who is doing the vocals on this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess we should actually talk about uh, the music here. Yeah, so it starts with a crowd. It's a live version, and then what? When you watch the video, he turns. He's he's drumming on like PVC piping. Yeah, basically, they've got these like huge getups that are like hooked, strapped around them. Yeah, and and like there's cables coming to them. I assume that's amplification. Um, and yeah, he's drumming on like open pipes, basically. Two of them have those setups, and they together create the organ ostinato. And the other dude is like hitting a piano with a mallet but like it's open he's hitting the strings in the he's back hitting the strings yeah i don't know if he's doing anything but it sounds like he's making the power chords yeah but i feel like it could like it's not clear to me if he's actually doing that he could be he could yeah or how much yeah, how much of it's just, just visuals yeah yeah it's unclear to me um but it looks cool because he's hitting cool. a piano with a giant mallet yeah, and I will say the tones on those uh, those pipe drums pretty good. It's a cool sound. Yeah, it's it reminds cool me of those. I think we just called the boom whackers or something. Oh yeah, in elementary school, where like everyone would get one that was tuned to a note and be like, "All right, play it now, play now, it now," right. and then you'd and then, make a song. Yeah, 
bringing people together with music. That's what it's about. That's what it's all about. And that's what they're doing here. So you see them do this, of course. So the Blue Man Group handled the intro, and then like the lights come up, and we see our singer, who has one splotch of blue paint on her, to signify yes. her connection with the Blue Man Group. And it's like, it's a fine vocal performance. Yeah, I, th- I mean, she's a good singer. I don't, I once again, don't know if the voice fits. Like, uh, maybe I'm just too used to, like, the rock and roll. Yeah, or the style, yeah. And once again, they don't really change it from that. Like, they've got a rock band in the back, right? As yeah. much as they're doing a very percussive thing. Yeah. They're still, you know, guitars. Yeah, and they're holding down the actual, like, Keith Moon drum yeah. beat, minus the exciting improvising. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it it's cool to see i'm sure it would be a lot of fun to see the blue man group sure yeah but i don't know if i would pay that much (laughs) yeah like if somebody gave me a ticket for free and the show was happening like next door and right away i'd be like okay yeah yeah i don't know if i'd buy so they is it actually a vegas show i don't know i don't know if they're still a vegas show they definitely were for a while okay Um, like you said there's these blue man groups are everywhere so like you can sure. probably find them They're in and out of Vegas. Now. Mm. <laughs> um, I briefly worked for Cirque du Soleil as a uh, food vendor mm. for their uh, Cavalier division. That's right. Yeah. 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 So I'm not 100% sold on the vocals, but she, I mean, I'm not going to say they're not good. I think she does a good job. I, I just think don't know he- that they fit. Yeah, I think maybe this the I just yeah I don't think the composition here or anything is doing any favors to her performance. Yeah, it's tough to come in on a song that is like we're we're gonna hammer you with some vocals and then but be in a group where the leading element is some dudes banging on PVC pipes. It's right. like it's not the vocals. <laughs> yeah, nobody's looking at you when you're singing. Nobody really cares because they're just like, what are these blue men gonna hit next with their big sticks? <laughs> And it's like, oh, piano. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's a good thing to yeah. hit. Um, but I mean, other than that, in terms of the arrangement, fairly straightforward. Like, it's not super yeah. for having breaking three drummers plus the three blue men. So <laughs> six percussionists men. together. Yeah, this is a very tame, tame. It does feel like rhythmically there could be more going on, right? Yes. Um, I did think. I kind of liked how they did. Uh, which part was it? The the guitar solo before the chorus. Um, yeah. So the timestamp is two fifty two. It's actually um, a guitar duet because you got two yes, guys doing two the same them. part. Yeah. Um, I thought that was kind of cool. It's basically just a lot of distortion, and they do the like you yeah. know, fast. I tell you what, cool bit of shredding, but like I listened. Obviously, I listened to the song first without watching the video. Yeah, and in my head, I was like, "Man, it must be nuts to see a blue man just shred guitar." <laughs> <laughs> that would, I, I was curious if they would be playing as well, but unfortunately, yeah, but no. unfortunately not. You just need to be a mime, well, and a percussionist. I'm not going to yeah. say that's not easy, or I'm not going to say that is easy. Yeah, with like non-traditional percussion instruments, so you got to have yeah. a bit of willingness to learn because they're drumming with what looks like. I don't know, like ladles, <laughs> like spatulas, <laughs> something like wide, so you can cover, like, yeah. play the whole tube, right? Um, and then they have a moment yeah. that would, I think, be great in a like an EDM remix of this of the original song, where there's like an announcer voice that comes on and goes, "You're all wasted." Oh yeah, that's that's kind of fun. Um, yeah. 
And yeah, I mean, then they do kind of a similar outro, you know, the drums swell, the guitar shreds, and they speed up into the climax. Yeah. But structurally, they keep it mostly the same. It's right on five minutes, just like the original. Yeah, that's the thing is like, there, it's rock and roll without any sense of like what the original has, even with that marimba repeat is looseness. Whereas this one has rigidity in its place and it doesn't play as well. Yeah, it definitely doesn't have the same feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's almost like looking at like it's off the album, and the tour was called like "How to Be a Megastar," right? So it was kind of, I think, meant as almost. I don't want to say satire, say like satire, but like but maybe it... self-parody, okay. or it seems that way. But I don't necessarily see th- how. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, well, maybe I guess maybe just the size is supposed to be part of the. So it's like how to be a megastar: three drummers plus the three blue men. That's <laughs> yeah, how, like six percussionists, two guitars, playing so one. Yeah, solo. maybe it is just about like bringing size to this thing. I will give them points for the vocalist doing the violin solo. That's pretty. That cool. actually is pretty cool. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. Um, she just makes the violin sounds, but with her voice. Yeah. Which we don't always like when they do that, but mm, it works here. Well, because she's not going it's it's more like uh it's, it's just vocalization. It's just like oh like more choral. Yeah. Except just yeah. one person, so not choral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that was cool. That was the cool. the blue men they find new drums to hit. Uh guitar plays a bit. Yeah, it's you know, big rock finish. Yeah, all, right. it, all of this, all of this pomp and circumstance for a pretty middling cover of yeah, Bob O'Reilly. It's a big, it's a big um, performance, though. Production. Yeah. That's what I was Produ- trying to say. Big production, for sure. And I imagine seeing it live, and depending on what came before it, this might That'd squeeze in cool. and, and be a good time. Yeah. Um, let's talk about somebody whose idea of themselves is about as big as this last production here. Uh, Richard McGraw in 2012. Richard McGraw. Out here in the fields We fought for our meals I put my back into my living Yes, um... The songwriter's songwriter. Songwriter's songwriter. He's been going for like 20 years, and you know how dedicated his fans are? So dedicated. So dedicated. Um, I, I like how his description mentions like a Neil Young quote. Yeah. But the way it says it is like kind of vague and it's like did he say it about this guy though? Yeah, it's he claims that Neil Young called him an unknown legend. Yeah, he is an unknown legend in his time, credited to Neil Young. But like the way it's written is like Neil Young definitely said that, but it's not stated really if it was said about Richard McGraw. To the right. point where I'm like yeah, is he just borrowing a non? He's trying to like be vague about it, and make like, it sound he, yeah. like yeah. So he's like, "This is something Neil Young said. I've put it in my bio, not saying that it's about me, but heavily implying due to like yeah. why else would it be?" So here? that's what it feels like. Is he's trying to imply that without saying it because maybe it wasn't said about him? Yeah, yeah, you're right because anyway. it is just like right at the end. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Also, this dude does not want to wear a shirt, so obviously very Iggy Pop inspired. (laughs) Very Iggy Pop inspired. Uh, Not vocally, but... (laughs) No. This is like, what if Landslide was Bob O'Reilly and sung by a dude? 
Yeah, I mean, we've heard this done with fingerpicked guitar, and that's yeah. what this is. Pretty much just that fingerpicked guitar, at least at first, and then it brings mm-hmm. in a violin, violin, right? you know, strings. Yeah. I think there's in particular a cello, and that's kind of the build of right. this one. Um, is more strings, basically. Yeah. So this one is sadder, it is lower energy, and weirdly enough, due to a a small lyric change, more passive, too. Um, Because he says, Sally takes my hand. Oh, okay. Rather than Sally take my hand. And that seems like a non-difference, but it is the difference of who is guiding this journey. True. That's true. Um, But then, does he say the same, we'll travel south cross land? Yeah, well, I think he just says, yeah, yeah, travel south cross land. He does change the lyrics up, like, a little bit here and there. I'm trying mm-hmm. to remember. What is it? What the fuck? I've written here, he sounds like how I would sing if I was doing a bit. <laughs> he does, doesn't he? He d- It does sound like he's, he's trying to, like, yeah, like, do a character of some kind. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I mean, I, I don't always go for these uh, slow ones, as is probably somewhat known to you. Yeah, I don't um, mean to be all down on this one. I do think the addition of strings was smart and good. Yeah, the arrangement, pretty decent. And, like, the yeah. fingerprint guitar, the idea of, like, stripping it down and just doing the fingerprint guitar um, does work. Yeah. Because, like, it, it emulates the ostinato for very similar reasons to why the, the pickets worked as well right um because they do something very similar as well uh i said as well a lot there didn't i yeah doesn't doesn't matter <laughs> doesn't matter doesn't matter no it's it's I, good i just i feel strange as well um, yeah but and and it really does make a lot of similar moves to the pickets mm-hmm. for sure yeah um, you know keeping things down low that one's more electric than this one but it's still yes. a similar thing that they're doing. Um, and, you know, it keeps it basic, which is, yeah, it works reasonably well. I don't think it's as exciting as the Pickett's version. No, and, like, even, like, the, the such a key part of the song is, like, set up thing, break that thing for the middle eight, come back stronger. And I'm, it doesn't have to be just, like, energy, quiet energy again, but... Like something. The, like yeah, change. something. The middle eight on this is played so straight that it's it's barely you you can forget that that's yeah, the new right section of the song like he yeah. just he just clips right through it uh yes but the strings fill the space out decently well and like it's all right it's fine yeah i mean do a second pass on this give it a little more like something something you know hang your hat on give it some hooks something. yeah a little something something but yeah i like that he didn't just rely on the guitar i like that the guitar does try to emulate what the synth does without trying to just play the synth part I think, yeah, the addition of strings is good. But overall, it's... And, like, good on him for shortening it down. 245. He understands that he's not getting a full five minutes out of uh, this stripped-down version. Yeah, it's a good move. But, yeah, I think we could maybe take some time to to bring a little more... A little more magic into here, you know? A little more energy. Magic and energy. Yeah. I think that sounds right. Yeah. Um... He says something about a wasting. Is he's... Um... I don't know. Mostly, I just noticed that he, he says wasted a lot. We're wasted. Um, when he's like wasting. Oh, yeah. That's what he says at the end here. That's his like outro. Yeah. Into the outro or into the finale. Yeah. So we almost get something exciting there, too. And then it's, that's when the song ends. So, yeah. Not yeah. great. 
But Alex, it's time for a final verdict. So we got to break it down to three categories today. The worst version, the best version, and the version best suited for farming. For farming. For farming. Right. Alex, what's the worst version of this? The worst version of this. <sighs> it's probably Richard McGraw. I didn't, like, hate it, really. Yeah. But the other ones had, like, some stuff going on. I feel like his had the least stuff going on. Maybe, I didn't even yeah. love so like I didn't love those darn accordionists. Is it them? It's those darn accordions. Uh, those darn accordions. You're right. Yeah. Keep saying. <laughs> the accordions. It's not the players. Um, and Blue Man Group was like uneven, but uh, do I? Yeah. Is it Richard McGraw? I'm like torn on this I th- one. I'm I gonna feel stick like... with Richard McGraw, but I feel like there are a few that could take it. Yeah, I want to give it to either. I think Blue Man Group, because like all these other guys, at least, and even if they're half baked takes, they're like, you know, they're like, okay, we're trying a little country. We're trying to put it on four yeah. accordions. We're trying yeah. to be a little country, country again. Punk. Yeah, okay. yeah. We're, we're we're trying to like really hit the emotive core of this song, you know, and just just strip it right down. And it's like Blue Man Group wanted to just play this on PVC pipes. And they did it. I think Blue Man Group's version would work much better as part of a medley where the Blue Man Group is showing us the powers of their percussive MacGyver know-how. Like, wow, look at all these songs they're recreating in in quick succession on pipes and garbage cans and their skulls or whatever else they fucking do. (laughs) Their own skulls, which are also blue. Yeah, look at this dumpster they dived in and found a bunch of crap and they're going to play music with it now. Like, give me more of that. I think that's what I want to see from the Blue Man Group. And like, I'm never coming back to the Blue Man Group version i'm no. gonna forget about it as soon as this episode is done these other ones are gonna stick around a little longer so blue man no, you're right. my worst you're right thank you it feels good to be right uh <laughs> alex what's the best version it's best version i mean the, the pickets i think the pickets yeah. was the best one um they did some cool stuff i like the way they make the instruments weave in and out of each other and uh it was a very different feeling but it was still a cool um cool atmosphere yeah, it takes you into a space, which I think the original does. You feel like you're you're kind of transported somewhere else. Yeah, somewhere like in in northern England, and, and yeah, you're in, it's just a field somewhere in the distant future, where there's no rock and roll. Where there's no rock and roll, and that that plays definitely in the pickets because it's not rock and roll; it's country, baby. Yeah. And yeah, I like their vocal performance. I like that it's it is like a lower energy one, but it is like you said, you've got a good soundscape there and some well, like a good shifts, like good changes in the song to be like, well, it's interesting. There's things happening. Yeah, it felt like the most complete version. I feel those darn accordions feels like a demo of like a a parlor trick. Waco Brothers feels like they kind of tried to hit three different songs in one and never really landed on what the real take was, other than the hoot and nanny. Yeah, and then Bob O'Reilly is like, well, I mean, not Bob O'Reilly, Richard McGraw <laughs> is, yeah, it's just a not enough Both there. Fun. Yeah. But Alex, you're out there in the fields fighting and or farming for your meals. What do you got soundtracking you? Man, I need, uh, I need, I mean, you got to have some fun out in the fields, and I think what's going to help you have fun on the fields is a hootin' Annie. Yeah. Uh, so I got to say Waco Brothers. Yeah, I think that's a solid pick. There's some good driving energy to that. You can really, uh, you know, match your, your, your sickle swings to that or your, yeah. your hoe plowing. Hoe plowing? Are you reaping? Are you sowing? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You're having a hoot nanny. Yeah, well, you and the Waco brothers are having a hoot nanny. I'm going to second that choice, Alex. Great pick. <laughs> yeah, you are right. Um, 
that does it for our final verdicts. He's got a different opinion, similar opinion. I want to talk about a version we didn't talk about, like the Pearl Jam version. Apparently, Pearl yeah. Jam covers this a lot live. If you want to talk about a live Pearl Jam version, hit us up on Twitter, hashtag CoverMePod, at Jake the Cressy, at some Alex Wise Guy. Send us your comments, questions, concerns, suggestions for future episodes. Um, you can also email those to us at CoverMePod at gmail.com. Be sure to rate and review us. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, your favorite podcasting app. Anywhere you can find a podcast, you can find us. You know that. You're listening to us. But tell your friends about us. Tell your family. Tell your neighbors. Tell your loved ones. Tell your local barista. Make that <laughs> your name on your cup. They'll say, what's your name? Cover me podcast. And they're going to be like, I'm not writing all that down. <laughs> but you're going to get the word of mouth then out there. Then just write cover me pod. Yeah. You're just like, well, yeah, just take the cast off. Next time, try just a URL. See if you can go straight to us. HTTP colon slash. colon slash. So do that. Help us out. You are the marketing team here, and we love you so much for it. Um, that does it for today's episode of Cover Me. And as we always say on Cover Me, the exodus is here. The Cover Me is near. <laughs>